welcome to the Coach Steve Clark Show, where he will encourage, inspire, and equip coaches, players, and parents who will in turn motivate and help others to promote the great game of tennis, foster sportsmanship, and develop greater players and people. Thanks for joining us, and here's your host, Steve Clark. Hello, everyone. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to the show. Today, we are going to focus on leadership. Parents are leaders, coaches are leaders, and parents, coaches, teachers, and others mentor young players in leadership skills. You are either influencing or being influenced. So this will be very practical and encouraging for any of our listeners. I'm honored to have a friend who is a leader and a change agent in the business and sports world. Todd Gongwer. Todd has over 25 years of leadership and team dynamics experience and expertise through a broad range of business and entrepreneurial endeavors, as well as collegiate and professional athletics. His leadership and cultural development principles have been embraced by some of the most successful leaders in business, education, and athletics, including the NCAA, uh, the NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, NFL, Etc. And Todd's principles have also been featured by ESPN, the magazine, ESPN.com, Bleacher Report, Forbes.com, and on and on. Let me give you context for some of you out there listening. Here's a short list of the programs and people that have been influenced by Todd's work. The NCAA, Clemson. How about those Clemson Tigers and Dabo? Uh, the, also the Oklahoma Sooners, Baylor, Arizona, Notre Dame, the list goes on. Professional sports, Kansas City Royals, Pittsburgh Pirates, Indianapolis Colts. And in business, uh, businesses like the Home Depot, uh, Tyson Foods, Chick-fil-A. I know whenever we travel, my team, uh, they just die for Chick-fil-A. Uh, well, I hope that gives you a bit of his background, and needless to say, he's been a leader and an influencer of many. Uh, so with that, I would like to welcome Todd. Todd, how are you doing today? I'm great, Steve. Thanks for having me or giving me the opportunity to, to be with you here today. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Um, I, I know you're busy. you got a lot of speaking engagements and whatnot, so thanks for taking out the time. Well, folks, as I mentioned, today and I, we're, uh, Todd and I are going to discuss leadership, leadership principles, things that he discusses and travels around the country uh, talking with people about, but also what you can glean from a book he's written. It's a bit of a parable called Lead for God's Sake, uh, which embodies many of these principles. It's not just another book, but from what I gather, principles born out of a deep conviction to answer a call forged out of his personal experience, both ups and downs, which we've all had in leadership. And like with all books associated with my website and uh, my teaching, I've read it. And this one, uh, you know, I read uh, in about two sittings. It was so engaging. Um, I got caught up in the storyline big time because as a coach, a parent, an educator, and one who engages with other leaders, all those roles are covered in the book. For those of you reading it, you will not only get sucked into the story, but will find yourself either empathizing, evaluating, or self-assessing your leadership skills and the roles as you read. Uh, and most importantly, I'm sure Todd uh, hoped for this, but you'll probably say to yourself, am I more like Coach or Grant, or am I more like Joe? So when you read the book, folks, I encourage you to do, encourage you to do that. Um, you might be thinking of those things. But let's get into the leadership principles and dipping in and out of the book at times. So, Todd, what is, um, in a nutshell, as we get started, what is leadership? <laughs> well, leadership is a, <laughs> I, I always say it's a very, very broad-based um, topic. And because of that, you know, again, I, I think it's, this is why there's so much written about it. There's so many you know, not only in books, but periodicals and, and, you know, nowadays videos and all kinds of things on it. It's a, it's, it's situational. Um, it's a moving target. And it's, again, it's a very broad based moving target. So because of that, you know, I always say there's got to be some kind of a baseline that we start with, but it's going to go a lot of different places from there. So my baseline would be, you know, begins with your influence. Um, that flows from your words, attitudes, and behaviors that, that ultimately flow from and through your character. Um, which, again, when we talk about leadership from that standpoint, I think that, that, in my mind at least, clarifies 
uh, why or is a big indicator of why it's such a broad-based subject because when something that's flowing from the individual character in terms of how we're influencing people in different ways, um, you know, character is, is unique to, to people. So, again, you have all kinds of different ways to lead, and that's what we see when we dive into the topic. We see people being very effective in a lot of different ways um, in terms of leadership. So, again, like I said, it's a broad-based topic. Yeah. You talk about, you mentioned it right there, but you, uh, WAB, words, actions, and behaviors. And I remember one thing you said one time, your posture, your outward reactions, that can build or break. Yeah. Yeah, we do a thing with um, with organizations and teams a lot called the, the, we call it the WAB workout. And we kind of equate the WABs to our abs, um, <laughs> you know, in terms of, you know, and, and when you look at the model of, leadership that I just gave you, it begins with your influence, it comes, comes from your labs, the flow from character, labs sit in the middle. Your words, attitudes, and behaviors are, are kind of that, that core part that really determines the role and the impact and all these other things that, that you're going to have in leadership. It flows from your character, it turns into your influence, but this is where the choices lie, with words, attitudes, and behaviors, and so we really try to you know, spend a lot of time not only talking about, but really diving into, you know, how do these words, attitudes, and behaviors that I'm choosing um, affect my team? They affect my influence. How are they affecting the culture of my team? All those things. It's it's a really, really uh, important part of of everything we do. So, yeah, going back to what you said, the, the lab workout is an important uh, – we say it's a, important for every team to make sure they're not only working out their abs, but they're working out their labs. You, along those lines, you say, and it comes out in the book, um, I think you call it quick, C-W-I-C. We have a choice within a choice. And that's yeah. part of, you know, we have a choice to say words. We have a choice to have an attitude. We have a choice to have certain behaviors. Um, maybe go over that quick, that choice within a choice. Yeah. <clears throat> so every every day, um, you know, all of us are faced with, we're, we're literally walking through hundreds, if not thousands of little choices that we're making every day. And a huge percentage of those are in some way, shape or form affecting somebody else, you know, and you know, we're interacting with people, you know, the way I frame a certain phrase to somebody has an impact The the, um, the choice that I make to, you know, to smile at somebody or not to smile at somebody to, you know, going back to what you asked the posture. The, the posture that I'm holding, am I confident? Am I really walking with an upright belief in, in what's going on around me or am I choosing? And, and the reality is all of those choices, there's a, they, they have an effect on somebody else. So when we, when we choose our words, we choose our attitudes, when we choose our behaviors, um, the choice within the choice is not only, okay, what do I want to accomplish through this, but what are the full effects going to be on those around me through this choice, as a result of this choice, I should say. So when I when I decide to, you know, walk with slumped shoulders or roll my eyes or have a scowl on my face versus a, a smile, when I decide to, you know, choose this word or that word that, you know, I'm saying to this person, but do I realize there's other people, you know, in the, my sphere of influence that hear it, that see it, and that are also... You know, am I really cognizant of the the influence that all of my choices are really having on not just what I want again, but on all those people around me? And I think so. The the thing that we do with Quick, um, the CWIC, is is you know try to encourage leaders to you know walk through their day with this constant mindset um, of okay, how's this going to affect those around me? How's this going to affect this person? You know, how's this choice going to affect this person? And um, again, you know, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of those happening, those choices that we're making, you know, all the time. It's just, are we really how cognizant are we of those choices and the effect that they're having? Well, and I think uh, not even just for the leaders, but as as people are listening, you know, parents 
coaches and the players they're trying to mentor or be into leaders or as they're coming up younger and, you know, as they're high school, college, you know, even on the pro tour, those people have an influence. And, uh, you know, so that's we want to be intentional. I think that's what you're saying. We have to sometimes you have to be proactive. You have to say, okay, have I been rolling my eyes lately? I mean, a lot of times in these conversations, you know, they talk about, you know, when I was working on my doctorate, you know, they talked about research is me search. Well, uh, conversation with you is is pointing the finger back at me. You know, so even as we're having this conversation, I have to think back, okay, when did my posture, when did my rolling in the eyes, when did my, uh, the way I, you know, drooped my head or whatever, you know, how did that influence, you know, people on the other side of the net or around me? And, and But that goes both ways. How does the player on the team, how does his posture affect his other teammates? Um, you mentioned yeah. even, I think in one uh, uh, session you were giving one time that I heard you said posture affects the cortisol level in your brain. Yeah, there's studies out right now, actually, that, um, you know, they'll tell you that standing in a confident posture actually um, lowers the cortisol. There's some of the studies that have proven it lowers the cortisol level up to like 15%. So that's a stress hormone in your body. Yeah. And what they're saying is it's just just the mere fact of, okay, you know, standing straight up, shoulders squared, head up, you know, walking that way has an effect. And, and I can tell you, you know, if you stop and think about it, um, you may have, may have or not heard me talk about this, but as I, as I read that and, you know, looked, looked a little deeper into that research, I started thinking to my own, okay, who are the, the leaders that I, that I really looked up to that I think are, are some of the most effective you know, and what, you know, and what they do. And even when you go to some of the professional athletes or some of the greatest athletes, and you started thinking about the individuals like, like a Michael Jordan. And, and I started thinking, okay, what, what did I see in how he walked? What did I see in how he responded even to a missed shot? And I even started to go back and look and do some research on my own about that to go, you know, was this, was this a part of who they, you know, their effectiveness as a leader? And, you know, it's amazing because you'll see people all the time when something goes wrong, something goes bad, you know, shoulders slump, head goes down. And I see this. I mean, you know, it just, it just kills me when I'm watching a team, you know, and the, the announcers will talk about, oh, you know, the momentum's shifting, the momentum's shifting, the momentum's shifting. Well, the posture's shifted. <laughs> the expression shifted. The heads are down. The eyes are down. The shoulders are slumped. Everybody's, you know. And so why has the momentum shifted? Well, that's a part of it. You know, what, what happens is something bad happened and we responded in the wrong way. And when you look at some of those leaders, and I'll even go into the business world, some of the most, some of the most dynamic, effective CEOs, leaders that I've worked with, I, I, you know, I, I can just absolutely, I, mean, I can see a couple of them that I worked with, you know, really over, over a, a long period of time and a lot of very, very, I mean, we've with them a lot. And I'm looking, you know, I'm thinking back and going, my gosh, that person, I never saw them walking through the halls with their head down. I never saw them walking with a defeated posture. It was all, no matter what was going on in the market, no matter what was going on with the organization, they walked, they, they held that. And so, you know, when you, when you put those things beside the research that starts to come out, you know, and you go back to your own kind of your 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 own empirical evidence so to speak where you go man wait a minute I, yeah this all makes sense it has an absolutely powerful effect on it and that behavior <laughs> yeah i mean they even say that when you're watching if you look at the great uh, tennis players they don't get rattled you know and we call it i oh. i work with it jim leard years ago did work uh and it's called prpr positive physical response relaxation preparation and ritual it's between point management i use but you know, great players don't get rattled. You know, they go, hey, been there, done that. And, uh, you know, and they keep that, that posture, that sense of confidence. And, uh, you know, same thing, um, you know, with within a team concept, you know, you mentioned, for example, each person has a role. So even if they're not a great player, you know, um, I remember one time I even took a, a, a big chain into, into the locker room. I said, okay, guys, you know, you know, the old saying, we're only as good as the weakest link. Well, I took two heavy chains that we tow cars with, and I put a little itty-bitty piece of uh, weak chain in between them, and I had the guys have a tug-of-war, and it just snapped because the other chain wasn't there. And I said, look, that's the weakest link. We can't have that, right? Well, you, you talk about 
everybody has a role and leaders you know through their words their attitudes and their behaviors they teach those uh, players uh, and other team members whether it's a business or not they have a role and to own that role and to take pride in that role what would be I, i'm just curious what would be some examples that you've maybe uh uh, con- uh counseled uh some teams that you saw that they needed this or w- what are some practical things that maybe a coach out there or a parent can do to help somebody take that ownership of the role instead of always passing the buck or you know in our tit- entitlement culture that you've mentioned before yeah. how do they get them to take that ownership <laughs> is that well, a big question the, uh, <laughs> that's a big <laughs> I, I don't know that I could solve that one yeah. in, in on on a podcast right, or in, right. a, in just a few sentences. Sure. I mean, I think again, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning: leadership situational. Some of these things. I mean, you know, yeah. everybody's personality is a little bit different. People are always dealing with different, you know, the circumstances are different. So it's hard to pinpoint one. I, I, I will tell you, you know, and, and just off of the heels of um, the Clemson national championship, right, and. You know, I've been around Dabo now multiple times. Um, you know, have have had the opportunity to speak to his staff, had the opportunity to speak to his teams a couple times, and just to be around him a little bit. And, and you know, it's interesting. You learn a lot about you can you learn a lot about somebody obviously when you're with them one on one for a little bit of time. But I, you know, more often than not, we learn more when we're with those that are with them every day. Mm-hmm. You know, and so for me, when I get the opportunity to spend time with the assistant coaches or even talk to the players, that's where I get the real scoop (laughs) on who this person is and how they, how do they really. And I think when you talk about, you know, somebody that personifies the belief, the powerful belief in himself, the powerful belief in the systems that they've created. Um, more than anything with him, obviously, the powerful belief in his faith, um, you know, to overcome anything that comes his way. I mean, I think that's a big, all of those things. Again, I'll, I'll go back to saying Dabo Sweeney, um, you know, he's as intense as anybody. He's as competitive as anybody. He, you know, he, he, he he's jumping around and getting in people's faces on the sidelines. But you just never... You, you just don't see a loss of confidence in his eyes. You mm-hmm. don't see a slump. You don't see a – and whether he wins or loses because he's, he's lost before and he gets the same thing in the interviews. Hey, you know, this is on us. we got to get better. Da, 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 da. But the guy is always, always carrying that. He's, he's always walking in that, that confident, yeah. you know, posture. And, and so I think – you know, what is that? Well, again, I'll go back to say there's a lot of different things. Now, his particular case, I, I believe this, you know, obviously, um, especially on the heels of, uh, um, you know, watching that championship, um, man, I mean, his, his face is obviously a, 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 you know, key part of that. He has a why, a firm, mm-hmm. clear, why do I do what I do? And why am I here? And that belief that he has, and there's others that have different ones, that's fine. But that belief is his ultimate foundational sustaining force. And so regardless of what is coming his way, there's something bigger that he knows it's about. And so I guess for me, as I watch and I compare and contrast coaches on the sideline, I watch some coaches who've been very successful but I can see in their eyes, they look like they're about to explode at any moment. Like, I mean, physically explode. I'm, like, I'm looking at them going, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, this person is a ticking time bomb. If, it, if, if he could combust, he would. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, 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 I think you know who I'm talking about yeah. um, in terms of on, on the heels of the championship game. Right. And, and it's not to say that you can't win and have, it's just, you know, when I watch, Dabo, I see somebody that has really mastered that. Yeah. Um, always believe, and and again, you can go back to those those games where their backs were against the wall, where it looked like it was over, where it looked like, and he's 
he never flinches. He never, he's always got that. Right. And you mentioned this, uh, and I think this is really key for a lot of, particularly our young listeners, but even, even, uh, even, uh, you know, the older ones and the people mentoring them is, um, for example, you talk about the heart of leadership is character. And you say the character is shaped by people, reading, media, and you, you and I'm going to mention a couple of things. You mentioned show me top five people in your life, and I will show you your future. And then also you mentioned I and this I, I'd like you to maybe to tap into because this is this is our our world, and particularly um, you know a lot of the leadership and people involved working with uh, up and coming youth is the media. You know, you talk about the media. It's not about helping build your character. It's about monetizing, or and it and it, it affects your ability to have abstract thinking, etc. So, you know, in this this heart of leadership is character. You talk about character being shaped by people, reading, media. Uh, I just wanted maybe if you could expand on that. Yeah. So, you know, the the one thing that I always, you know, really always try to emphasize is that. Our, our hearts are something, and, and again, I'm, when I use the word heart, I'm talking, like I think you just said, the heart and character I use synonymously. Uh-huh. So when I'm talking about the heart, though, I'm saying like the, our character we know is in developmental, it's it's developmental um, over the course of our lifetime. We're, we're, we're a different person. You know, I'm, I'm a little over years from 50, and I'm a different person now than I was when I was 40. I've learned a lot. I've seen a lot. I hope I was a pretty good person at 40, but I but I hope and pray I'm a better person when I hit 50. And and that's and, I'm, and what I'm talking about is the development of my character. I'm develop, you know, I'm growing in wisdom, growing, and, and as that happens, my character is developing. Um, so character is something that's always under construction. Well, we do well as leaders to go, okay, what are the key constructors of the heart? And yeah, the people we spend our time with is huge. The things we read, and, and when I say reading, I mean, reading has an, an impact on our brains in a lot of physiological ways beyond just the content. Yeah, it is a very healthy thing for our brains, and they're finding more and more out about, you know, as neuroscience expands and, you know, with the advance of technology and a combination of those two, we're learning so much about the brain. And reading is a, is a powerful, powerful thing, um, or, you know, very healthy thing for the brain. So those two things impact nowadays digital media, a huge portion of the people that we quote unquote spend our time with and the things we read are on screen. Um, digital media is everywhere. And I clarify this, you know, the, the, you know, the point of reference to, I, I really try to make it clear that <clears throat> when I say digital media, I'm not just talking about social media because a lot of coaches want to go to that right away yeah, this social media thing is really killing our kids. Well, it is. But you have to understand it's much bigger than social media. It's digital media. So the message that they're getting when they're playing four hours of Fortnite and the effects that that's having on a 12 or 13 or 14-year-old brain is significant. You know? So, and, and, and a video game is part of digital media. The message that they're getting when they're watching the same TV show that they watch, whether it's and I can't even name some of the popular ones now because I don't watch TV. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. But, you know, t- TV about zombies or TV about, you know, this this and that, this person and that person and who's what's going on. I mean, like, the bottom line is that's digital media. The movies that they're watching, the music that they're pumping into their heads. And, and you know, I, I walk across college campuses all the time because of my work on college campuses. And, and you, you're very hard-pressed nowadays to find a kid or two walking across campus without their headphones in. Never when they're alone. I mean, we never are are walking quietly anywhere anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but even you know what what is sad for me is even when these kids are are walking with somebody, often their their headphones are in, and they're just they're not really with them. Right. And and uh, we as we as adults we could then go shake our heads. Well, yet yeah, we every time we get in the car. We got to have the radio on. As soon as we get home, we got to have the news on. As soon, you know, not me in particular because I this stuff bothers me. So, but I look at it and I go, "This is what where we are a lot of times as a society." So when you when you take all that into consideration, and you say this this amount of this these hours, you know, whether it's the adult that's uh, you know exposed to digital media at least 
an average of nine hours a day because of, again, emails, cell phones, telephones, radios. Um, that adds up. And it yeah, can't help but have an, it can't it can't help but have an impact on you. Right. And and so what are we doing as a culture to, to take a step back and go, wait a minute. If we know what the agenda is, the agenda isn't you know, I, I shouldn't say this because there's an eighty twenty rule and everything. Right. Twenty percent of the stuff that's out there, there it is there's an agenda behind it to impact people in a positive way. Unfortunately, eighty percent that's not the driving agenda. The driving agenda is monetize, desensitize, polarize, and politicize. And those all work together for obvious reasons. You know, they need to sensitize. They want you to think everybody's doing it. Whoever's behind whatever they're creating, they want, you know, it, it's a progressive mindset, completely progressive. There is no truth. Everything's relative nowadays. And so we're, we're trying to move to that. That's, that, that piques people's interest. It's edgy. Mm-hmm. And so again, it's a, as a form of media itself, it sells. It always has and it always will, the more edgy it is. And then when you talk about polarized, you know, fighting sells. And when you talk about politicized, that's the easiest fight these days. <laughs> There's no easier fight than everything that's related to politics, you know, in this in this in America especially. So right. It's a dangerous, it's a dangerous path we're walking down right now. Well, folks, yeah, and and folks, I think the one thing is I I can imagine a lot of uh, you know I have college players and and uh, high school players that listen to this as well as their parents and coaches and they may be thinking, well, it's not that big of a deal. Here, here's here's the upshot from my perspective, um, as coaches, and I I guarantee you. You know, on these on championship level teams, we're not talking about, you know, mediocrity is abundant, you know, but rare excellence is very it's it's tough to come about. And, you know, when you're uh, your mind and you're you're in in, engaged in team effort, et cetera, there's not a lot of room for this other stuff. And you want to be and I think uh, one of the things we're going to head towards is, you know, uh, Todd mentioned, what is your why? Uh, what what you must what you do must align with the why you are here and its relationships and uh, that's a, a big part of what Todd talks about um, and I, I wanted to maybe have you chime in on this you say many are many are self deceived and I'm I'm now I'm speaking to coaches and parents for per se like when we coach uh, because a lot of times they'll say it's for the kids but it's their why isn't really for the kids it's for something else maybe touch on that yeah. Well, you know, why you do what you do is a, um, and, and it's become a popular thing, a popular thing to talk about as teams or coaches or anything in society. The thing that I tell, tell people all the time is that we have to be very careful with this why, because we, we all have a tremendous capacity to deceive ourselves. And it's easy to say, yeah, my why is about, you know, the experience that my kid gets through this or the experience that these kids are going to get on working, learning to work together and and winning together and, you know, achieving something bigger than each as the individual. Um, we can say those things, but the reality is, you know, I'm competing for, you know, a 20, 30, $50,000 scholarship for my kid per year. I want my kid to get the time. You know, I want my kid to have their, you know, their, their, and, and so there's a tension there because we have all these conflicting um, objectives out there that our why has we've lost sight of you know the impact that these kids or that you know the lessons that these kids can really learn through the experience and the impact that sports can have on them the impact they can have on others through being the right example the you know I mean all of those things there's just there's a there's a lot to it but going back to you know can we get honest with the deepest driving motives and, um, you know, that, that are driving us. And here's the thing, too, Steve, that I'll say that, <clears throat> you know, I get, you know, you know I, I'm speaking to a lot of coaches and um, and a lot of athletes and a lot of parents and, and even a lot of administrators in, in all involved in the sports world. And the thing that I tell people all the time is there really isn't one um, sector that I just mentioned there that is to blame for the issues that we're dealing with. We're all to blame. And there's, there's room to go around because those, and, and again, I'll go back to, it goes back to the, the motives, 
what are the motives? Why do I really do what I do? And, and um, there are, you know, I tell coaches all the time, I say, you know, I, I, I feel your pain with selfish parents. I feel your pain. First of all, we should, I, I'm, not, I'm not condoning it, but most of us, when we were 17, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, we were pretty selfish. <laughs> so we're all selfish, but when we were kids, we were real selfish. That's part of life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so what I tell them is, is don't expect the kids not to be at least somewhat selfish. That's, just, that's not, you know, not only our society feeding it, that's human nature. But what we're seeing now more and more is we have some really selfish parents. And, and oh, by the way, I've dealt with just as many really selfish coaches. Because coaches want to, they, they have their own why too. And yes, I'm, uh, in most of them, it's about the kids when they start. But you win a championship, then it's we got to win again and we got to win more and we got to climb a ladder and we got to, you know, so there's all these other things that can cloud that why and can very quickly you know, cause our actions to become very self-centered and as there's, you know, as, as the self-centered actions go, very dangerous to, you know, the culture of the team and, and ultimately the impact we have on the kids. So all this again goes back to, you know, why do we really do what we do? And can we, can we put our fingers on that? Why can we get honest with what it's real, what's really driving us? Can we recognize the unhealthy parts of our why and figure out ways to, you know, overcome that because every single one of us has to battle that. You know, it's, a, it's I tell people all the time, I said this, the why thing is a, it's a daily part of your, your journey in life. Yeah. Because you achieve something great today, and I promise you tomorrow that'll, that'll, that'll mess with, that, that potentially messes with why you're doing what you do. Because now it's, never enough and now it's you know <laughs> so championships money it can be i don't care if it's in the church world it can be you know the size of my church it, it doesn't matter we're, we're where humans are involved the why the dangers are are real yeah you um, mentioned along those lines you say you you kind of give a, a roof and a foundation analogy you say look uh, regarding you know relationships uh, doing your gifts talents and passions, you know, versus relationships. Um, maybe you could go over that. Um, give me a, give me a little more on that. Oh, okay. Like, you mentioned, you mentioned that, that the, go all over. right. You mentioned the foundation should be on relationships, but often it's reversed and product or oriented resulted. And, you know, so we have this foundation on the bottom, you know, in other words, uh, it topples over. Like when we, we want our relationships to be the foundation. And that's what you see in the book is the strength of these relationships and caring for each other on the team. Um, and that's the number one thing, because the thing in the book that you see is yes. when a coach doesn't truly, they say it's for the kids, they say it's for the kids, but then they don't do things that exemplify that. Right. And that's a real strong so theme in the book. Yeah, so so I will give the example of, um, you know, yeah, everything everything needs to start with found, or with a foundation of relationship. What happens is, and again, this is closely related to what we were just talking about with the why. We're talking about purpose. What's the driving purpose now? And is relationship or relationships really at the foundation? Because what we we tend to do is get into this the secondary aspect of our purpose, which I would, you know, which I classify as that's where our passions are. That's where our gifts and talents are. That's where our opportunities are. Those are all parts of, again, what I would call the secondary aspect of why we do what we do. We love doing it. So that should be secondary. Not just, you know, that, that's not primary because there are things that I love doing and that I would love to do that, number one, I'm not, I'm not, no matter how much I love basketball, I'm not going to make it in the NBA. I can't support my family right. <laughs> with an NBA contract. So I can be as passionate as I want about it, but it's not going to be practical. I can't support my family with it. So, you know, don't, we, we so often tell young people, whatever your passion is, whatever your passion is, that's your purpose. No, that's a secondary aspect, but don't put that as primary because at some point, 
is probably not going to be realistic. You know, and even if it is realistic, how long will it last? Because it's going to end. Those those passions are going to fluctuate over the years. Your gifts and talents are going to change and fluctuate over the years. Your opportunities are going to change and talent, you know, over the years. The one thing that's a constant that's going to be a part of all of those experiences, though, is relationships. You know, that's oh, that's the common thread. And so that's, you know, when I go back, and, and of course for me, when I when I talk foundationally, faith is a, is a huge part of that. I believe that's why we're here. We're, we're created for relationship. I believe God loves us, wants relationship with us, and created us for relationship with others. Um, it's a huge part. And, and I think that's, that plays out when you question, you know, any 95-year-old on their deathbed, hey, what, what matters to you right now? The only thing that matters to them is those people that are closest to them. You know, the relationships I've developed over the years and, you know, the memories that I have with people. And so the problem, what we tend to do is get that turned around. What we tend to do is what's my, you know, I'm so passionate about building this business and, and you know, and, and, and so I go into this mindset of when I get to, then I'll do this. And so we go, 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 go after whatever it may be. And what we find out when that becomes kind of the foundational driving force, um, whether it's climbing the ladder, whether it's winning a championship, whether it's making a certain amount of money, those benchmarks, so to speak, those, those life goals that we may put in place as a part of our pursuits, they're never going to be enough. And as long as those are down there, often because it's never enough, they lead to obsessive drives that ultimately come at the expense of relationships. Yeah, and I think right yeah. here, one of the one of the key points is it's not, uh, you know, you're not saying that, hey, you know, if you have these passions, you know, that's what you want to do. You want to go after them. But if you understand yeah. that relationship, in fact, that's, I think, when people are the best. Uh, we we have a lot of professional athletes or even business people who come back years later and go, oh, man, if I had done it all over again, I would have done X, Y, Z. And it's usually a relational thing. And, you know, so yeah. in terms of it, there's, in fact, having those relationships helps you. Uh, be able to weather the storms and these passions and there's pursuits. But when those things, like you say, they fluctuate, you have the you have the relationships. I know for myself in reading the book, and this is what I mentioned before. When people read it, they may they may they're going to size up and kind of side with one person or the other, or maybe do some self awareness. And great leaders need to do a lot of self awareness and um, little self checks. And one of the things I remember reading one part where the the mom says, "Hey." Uh, uh, you know, Steve, the coach, they says, you know, hey, you know, the kids would really like to spend some time with you today. And, you know, he's been watching tape and he sees it over and over and over. And they said, yeah, daddy, why don't you, you know, go with us, et cetera. And he's all, well, no, I can't. I've got that. And it broke my heart, you know, because and even though it's a parable, I get sucked into it, you know. So uh, you know, because why? Because. You know, when I was, I remember, you know, I'm very product oriented, man. I'm, I'm a competitive person and I, hey, go, 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 that type of thing. And, um, but I'm also a process oriented. And I can do something, you know, long periods of time and be very myopic. And I remember when I was working on my doctorate, I was like, uh, you know, I'd be in my, my uh, office and my kids would, you know, uh, come and knock on the door and they might say, hey, dad, can we do this? And I said, well, no, I can't. And I, and I realized, man, I can't do that. I have to say yes can I do it later? Or yes, right now, this, can this delay, can this stop? And, uh, can, can we do this some other time? And, and a, a good friend of mine mentioned something about the three D's delay, delegate, and drop. Can I delegate something? Can I delay it? And can I just drop it altogether? And particularly with relationships on our own stress level, but you know, whether it's sports, business, etc. Yeah. I think when you're saying here is the relationships come first and that, you know, there's obviously people understand that you've got things to do and you've got a business to run and, and, and uh, goals in your athletic endeavors, but it's the relationships. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, you, you know, you mentioned at the onset that we, it's so easy to lose sight to, you know, develop the blind spot, so to speak, and not, you know, lose sight of that, even in the short term. I'm, I'm doing okay. Then, you know, over, as soon as I get this done, then I'll do. As soon as I get this, then I'll do. You know, before we know, it's been six months, or it's been a year, or it's been a year and a half, or it's been two years. And it's like, man, I'm missing. You know, and you just sometimes don't see it. Yeah. And that goes back to self awareness. It's such a powerful, important part of of leadership. Um, but yeah, I, 
that that balance and in terms of pursuits is is so hard. I think that's what ends up resonating probably as much, not more with anybody else um, in terms of the book was that how most people can relate in some way, shape or form to a couple of things. Number one, pursuing something. Most of us have a desire to achieve something, you know, whatever that may be. And, you know, at some point we tend to get caught up and, and forget about the most important things. And so we pursue whatever that thing is at the expense of them. And I think, I think there's a huge percentage of the population can, can relate to that. And if not, more often than not, the young people even that read the book, because I used to think, oh gosh, this is just named, this is just named, you know, aimed at people that are 35 and up because it's about, you know, it'll, if, if you have kids, this is going to hit you hard. If you've ever coached kids, this is going to hit you hard. If you've ever pursued any, you know, anything in lost sight of purpose, this is going to hit you hard. Well, the reality is the young people that read this have experienced the other side of that in a lot of cases. And they've experienced some of the things that the young people in there, you know, pursuing their own selfish desires or seeing their parents and coaches walk out those selfish desires. And so there's a lot that they end up relating to, too, in the in the book. Um, and all, it always comes down to each one of us at different phases of life, stages of life, I should say, has those those uh, those weak tendencies, so to speak, or those, those tendencies for weaknesses in, in areas of of um, you know why we why do we really do what we do? Are we staying true to the most important things day in and day out? And can we make those things more about others than just ourselves? Yeah, and you and you mentioned this. I think this is a pivotal part in the book. When uh, at least I thought so. Is I'm reading along, and then there, I mean, the the, the season's falling apart. He has guys that are injured off the team, etc. And he's talking to Joe, and he says, uh, "So what?" Uh, so what should be important to the team? Um, and then the coach is kind of like, well, winning, uh, uh, we had goals. Uh, uh, you know, you can tell he's stuttering uh-huh. and he's all, well, the, so he, in other words, my first thought is he's not process oriented at all. He's purely, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, there's actual research that talks about social cohesion. You want the team unity to be that's, uh, and what they do off the court and how they relate to each other is more important than product, um, goals, uh, orientation, but it's team cohesion. Absolutely. Well, yeah. uh, he's talking about, so then he goes, well, Joe says, what's your plan? He goes, uh, what do you mean a plan? And I think that's critical, you know, is then this goes back to your why this goes back to the foundation is what is the plan what when the things get rocky what's going to be the plan right yeah i think that's so i mean i think you make a great point there i think again um it, it's funny because i should say it's funny it's, it's probably very very hard for me because i think a lot of coaches especially will read this book and, and i've had a lot of friends and both again, business and sports world that have read the book that come, you know, reached out to me or sent an email or something and said, hey, this is really impacting me. You know, maybe we think this, blah, 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 blah. Um, but then they get back into the grind and they get back into, you know, and in a lot, in some cases they've, they've, it's, they've, they've reached another pinnacle as a result of, you know, keeping the process at the forefront of things. But then over time, it begins to slip away again because our nature is again, to go back to those quick fix, quick hitter, you know, it's never enough type things. And the most painful thing for me in this whole journey has been to watch individuals out there that I know have been deeply impacted by the book at one point in their lives, you know, make a change, go down a path. And then eventually large part due to a lack of really, having a heart, and I emphasize this, a heart-based system in place, um, you know, they lose sight of what really matters most. They lose sight of the pursuit of the why again, and eventually there's a there's a crash and burn. And, and I can't tell you how many, I was just talking to a, uh, a friend earlier today um, that is a, a very, very successful friend in the business world. And I told him, I said, I can, I can list you, I can list you six or seven coaches right now. I said, 
coaches that you've read about and watched, very high-profile names, that, you know, unfortunately they ended up in a crash and burn. And at one point they read it. At one point they they figured out what you you know what you just described. And they figured out that hey, we got we got to come up with a process for this. We got to come up with a with a way of continuously that that continuously takes us back to the why, and continuously keeps the bigger picture at the forefront, and continuously you know nurtures our hearts because the mind and even the body they're going to go awry from time to time, but it's the heart set. That makes all the difference. And what are we going to put in place to make sure we have the heart set right? And that's been the big thing. You know, that's the big thing that I, you know, when I go to colleges and, and businesses that, that, that we emphasize when we, you know, what are we going to do to get the heart set right? Because you guys, you guys are doing all kinds of things to focus on skill set. And you're doing all kinds of things to focus on mindset. Hmm. But if the heart set goes awry, that's where the crash and burn happens and that's where you know nine times out of ten i can see where these guys have either walked away from the sport burned out or they've been forced to walk away from it um because they you know were one of those individuals on the sideline that when you watched and you could see they were about to explode and there wasn't a piece um, that, that comes from the hard set yeah i don't so, want people to pass this by because we always talk about skill set and mindset's big when we talk about grit and tenacity, et cetera, having a closed versus open mindset. But, you know, there's also the heart set. So that's that's really important there. I, In fact, re- reading a part of the book, it says, leading from the heart, our purpose. Um, this is interesting. I And I, um, you know, I just, maybe if you have a comment on this, but I don't think, and it wasn't intentional because, but it wasn't discussed in the book, but I think this is very real in life. The coach tried to make a heart change. He tried to lead from the heart. And he just like he said, he bombed. And yep. what and and then he went back to Joe and he says, I can't do it, you know, et cetera. Well, here's the thing. As coaches, we constantly harp, and as parents and teachers, we constantly harp, well, get back up, let's try it again. Get back up, let's try it again. Get back up, let's try it again. Rep- repetition, do it. You know, there's grace. There's okay, you you fix it, you get going. Well, as a coach, he fundamentally forgot that. You know, it was like, wait a minute, I'm trying to do something completely new. I bombed it, and what you know, and he, he was ready to give up. And Joe's, man, you got to keep going. And even as leaders, we need to understand what we're trying to teach our charges and our the kids that we're coaching is, or parents, you know, our kids is, you know, keep getting, keep going, keep going. We have to do the same thing. And here's the hard part, and I've dealt with this personally, and I still deal with it, is if you're in a situation, um, and this is what happened to the coach in the book, is if you you have a bank account. And if you've deposited too many things that aren't productive, if you deposited too many things that, you know, if in his case created a culture that was had gone awry, it's going to take for every for every dollar of uh, of uh, you know non heart leading, it's going to take ten bucks of heart leading. And what he didn't realize was a couple of times isn't good enough. It's got to be a constant constant kind of overcompensating for the past and and he for, he didn't take that mm. into account and i just thought i think that's a really important point it's like when we we're cre- I, I always tell my players and people look there's good news and bad news good news is we're creatures of habit the bad news is we're creatures of habit <laughs> and so yeah. and so if i'm going to try and uh, change that uh, habit that you've been doing for five years on a tennis court or whatever it is it's going to take some time. You know, they get impatient. They wonder why I'm patient on the court. And I go, well, you know, it's going to take a long time because you've kind of been doing that a long time. And, you know, so it's the same thing with our emotional. And here, your case, the heart set, it takes time. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and, I, and I would just, you hit the nail on the head. I would tell you that that's one of the, that's one of the most important points in the book. And really, you're right, it wasn't. You know, it's probably um, <clears throat> to be inferred um, as much as anything else. But the reality was, if if you give up that easy, was it real? You know, was it genuine? Because what it came down to, and I think Coach, you know, eventually this became clear, and he, he it was, you know, he 
we won't give away we won't give away the book, but the, yeah, but the point right, is yeah. <laughs> the, the story because there's things that happen. There's some surprises that we don't, you know. But the point is, um, you can't you, you can't fake a, a genuine heart change. And what does that genuine heart change do? Well, it, it almost always brings about a a feeling of of at least to some extent remorse in the wrongs and an effort to make reconciliation, you know, to bring reconciliation to build the rights. And he, he was, he, he had missed, he was missing that. And it wasn't real until some things were revealed to him. And I think that's, you know, that's such a common, that's such a common thing. I mean, I, again, like I said, leaders, so many leaders will read it, love it. it it's very emotional read as I'm sure you can, you know, I get read it, I get, I had an athletic director of the Power Five conference that flat out he was like, "Can't believe this!" I mean, you know, I had to put it down because I was on the plane. You know, I was on a flight and I had to stop reading it because I was crying. So <laughs> people were like, "People were like, what's wrong with this guy?" You know, but he was so emotional. It's such an emotional read. Um, but you know, I think again, like I said, we we sometimes uh, we underestimate how real that, you know, if, if you're changing just so you can win, forget it. Cause it's not, you know, your why still isn't right. If you're changing because you finally realize you really genuinely go, this is about more than just winning. And I can tell you again, like I said, not to, you know, and I'll use another coach. And I mean, because Dabo is the, the, the gold standard in it, but I just, it was, and I had a conversation with Tony Bennett this morning, and and I can tell you he's the same oh, the basketball Virginia. coach, uh-huh. Virginia. Yeah, and Tony, Tony is the exact same. Tony is so he he's so genuinely about, and it doesn't mean that any of these guys as competitors aren't flawed because we all are flawed, and we all make mistakes. But but you know Tony's heart is genuinely about something way more than just winning a championship. He wants to win as bad as anyone else in college basketball. <laughs> but he also, he really does grasp the bigger picture. And that's everything to him. And um, and I think that's, you know, his that's why he is continues to have success. And when I say success, success as, as it sh- I believe it should be defined, he is impacting these kids in a really, really positive and powerful way that play for him. And I think he's impacting a lot of others that watch him, a lot of other coaches that watch him, and how he handles situations. So, you know, um, yeah, uh, making the genuine heart change is a key yeah. to that quest to... You know, uh, read them bright. Yeah, going back to the why, because this, uh, and I just got a couple more points here, is you mentioned uh, the why separates the good leaders from the great ones. And you mentioned if you can't answer the why, the purpose then probably falls short of being the best we can be. And I just want people to think about that. If you can't answer the why, the purpose then probably falls short of being the best we can be. Because everything kind of... Uh, is based on that. And here, and because I like, you know, I do want uh, people to learn, I uh, cross pollinate subjects, and I do want particularly the younger uh, generation to read more. But there's a, there's a, there's a Greek word called telos. And that's where we get the word telescope. And in other words, we have, we have this trajectory in our life, we have this why. Um, And what is your telos? What is your trajectory? Where are you going? What what is what is the reason for what you're doing, whether it's in athletics, et cetera? And I think you you're you're right on on this, and I just want people to think about it. You know, the per, if you can't answer the why, the purpose then probably falls short of being the best we can be, because we're always talking about being the best we can be. Well, we're not going to answer this now because you said it's situational, et cetera. But I just want people to think out there, coaches, players, parents. You know, think about the why and that purpose, and being the best within that. You know, because uh, mm. I think that's that's central. And I want to make one more point and get your get you to chime in this. You brought it up, and you talked about reconciliation, and you're talking about relationships. And this is this is something that's going to be new to I'd say probably 99 percent of the people in the audience. Um, but Desmond Tutu, 
um, who was, uh, for most people, I'm sure they're aware, but he was, a, you know, an incredibly uh, famous uh, uh, leader in uh, South Africa uh, w- regarding apartheid and what they call the Reconciliation Com- uh, Commission. He wrote a book called Without Forgiveness, There Is No Future. And it's mm. it, it the book is one of my top, I have probably top, I have 20 top 10 books. Um, you know, you call them top 10, but I have too many of them. <laughs> But he talks about what's called Ubuntu. It's U-B-U-N-T-U. And it's, it's the South African word, or in, uh, the Nguni people that speak about it. But the point is this. A person is a person through other persons. And so the whole point between the reconciliation was these people, I mean, they were masked. You know, this is kind of a, uh, you know, a, a depressing topic, could be. But there were so many people killed, that, and the, the whole villages had to forgive people. Mm, but yeah. the reason why it was so they had to do it as a people, because they do everything as a people, and their identity is a people. And, you know, great leaders like Martin Luther King would say, servant leaders, the greatest of leaders, understand their actions and relationships such that they affect others in untold ways. Servant leaders are mindful of significant impact of daily, daily relationships and decisions. So anyway, here's the point. Because you're talking about relationships, you're talking about intentionality, and you're talking about this why, you know, and that we have to have a why that kind of guides everything. And, you know, one of the things for us coaches, uh, parents and teachers and people that, you know, are mentoring younger players and, uh, and for those players who are future leaders is relationships are big. And, and a lot of people listening may think, oh, you know, this is all warm and fuzzy, but no, this is really what creates uh, the greatness about whatever endeavor we're doing business athletics etc and i think that's the biggest part of your book right yeah there's there's no doubt and and two two things before i before i forget you tell me tell me the name of that book again (laughs) oh uh there is no future without forgiveness okay by desmond by desmond tutu it's um it's a life changer when you read it yeah I, i love that well and it's interesting that you bring the whole that 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 resonated with you, and that you wanted to go back to that because it's been interesting ever since. And, it, and I can remember the first time this year. I actually was speaking to the University of Arkansas football team this year, and um, you know they've been through some tough stuff in the last few years, and, and a couple just just some tough stuff. And and I knew for whatever reason I felt compelled um, to talk about reconciliation forgiveness because when you talk about the importance of relationships there there's you know the, the reality is is we are as humans we we make mistakes and we we do wrongs to others and the fact of the matter is now and, and now more than ever and you if, you if you happen to watch tv last night um you know we are we are caught up in such a blame game in our society and nobody nobody is willing to stop and say, wait a minute, let me figure out what my role in this is, how I've contributed to the problem, and let me let me own my fault. And let's reconcile this so that we can come to a you know, to a conclusion together. We're just losing that. And so this is a huge, huge um part of it was a huge part of the story. It's a huge part of the message that I give when I'm speaking in whether it's college campuses or wherever, is is uh, if we're going to get our relationships right, we have to be able to walk in forgiveness. It's popular nowadays to talk about love. And even with athletes, you know, all these great, we got to love each other. we got to love each other. we got to love each other. And the broader society is constantly, oh, it's all about love. It's all about love. What the broader society fails to realize in a lot of cases is you can't genuinely and unconditionally, you know, I, I will say agape love is what I believe the ultimate is, which is unconditional love. And and you can't walk in unconditional love. The biggest constraint to that is an unwillingness to forget. So for somebody that's wronged you in some way, shape, or form, somebody you disagree with, somebody that's hurt you, you know what? As long as you're walking in that unwilling with that unwillingness to forgive, you're limping. You're never going to go as far. You're never going to jump as high. You're never going to run as fast. And, you know, I do think that's a huge thing, both with coaches and players, 
because it's again it's a huge thing in our society. Our, our the issues we're dealing with when they are when we're trying to deal with them out of a root of bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness, we're not going to solve them because all we're doing is you know hurting people, hurt people, right? And so yeah. that's the that's the mindset is how can how can I get back at you for doing this to me? And we got a lot of that in our. I mean, we're seeing a lot of that in some very, very critical leaderships in our culture, in our country right now, in a lot of different ways. And I'm not picking on anyone, so anybody that might infer that, I'm talking about a whole bunch of them from all walks of life that are walking in a spirit of, I'm going to get even with you and hurt you. Right. So in because our, you hurt me. Yeah, and in our athletics <laughs> and our business endeavors, you know, when we get down to the practical brass tacks, you know, uh, th- there has to be this sense of, you know, get uh, the the when we say, "Hey, man, I love my teammates," et cetera, et cetera. Well, what are we willing to look past? What are we willing to, mm. willing to forgive? What are we, lo- you know, that mm. when it gets hard, when it gets ugly, when it's like you've been wronged, you know, and and that's where you get strong exactly. teams. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to love the teammate. That's always encouraging to you. And that's always there for you. And it's always working. It's easy to love those. Are you, are, you know, what are you doing about the teammate that took your spot or the teammate that has a bad attitude, the teammate that did something? You know, what are you doing to, number one, forgive them and, and become active in, you know, walking, developing the relationship with them, you know, genuinely loving them? And that's the challenge that uh, that's, and, I, and I'll just tell you, Steve, right now, this, because of what's going on in broader society, because of the influence of digital media and how prevalent this has become and how much, how many of these messages are constantly being pumped in our kids' heads, um, this is becoming a big, big issue. I watch, I watch a lot of sporting events, obviously, and, and I watch, I watch different things. I watch when a kid strikes out, I watch the dugout. I want to see who's responding how they respond. I watch when a kid throws a bad pass or when a kid comes off the bench, when a kid comes to the bench, I watch what's happening with the dynamic of the teams. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing trends that are not good. And I, as I talk to coaches, I continue to hear their frustrations in the same things. (laughs) What is going on? You know, we, we, we just, and, and again, it all is going to go back to exactly what you talked about. What are we, how are we teaching our, this next generation of athletes to know, you guys, just, if we're going to, if we're going to really be the best we can be, we got to have a bigger why. The why has to have a relationship. If we're going to really walk in healthy relationships, we have to be willing to unconditionally love, which begins with unconditional forgiveness. Yeah. And there's a lot to it, but that's huge. Yeah. That's just huge. Well, Tom, uh, our time is running short, and you are a busy man, so I really appreciate you taking time out, your busy schedule, speaking engagements, um, to share your insights. Um, we'll be all the better for it, for sure. So I just I just want to say thanks for taking taking the time to, to be here today. Hey, I, I appreciate the opportunity, and it's been fun. Uh, it's been fun chatting with you, so I appreciate you sharing, continuing to share a, a very, very, through what you're doing, very, very important message to coaches and uh, hopefully trickling to athletes and leaders in all, all other areas of life, too. Yeah, that's the goal. Well, hang on there for just a second. Folks, you've been listening to the Coach Steve Clark PhD show with Todd Gongwer, author of the Lead for God's Sake, and you can visit his website, Cardia Transformation Group, uh, or KTG, at cardiatg.com. You know, if you want to have them speak to your uh, uh, organization, business, uh, athletics, etc. And again, uh, he's been uh, doing that for quite some time, uh, influencing some of the most successful, um, you know, uh, programs and businesses in the country. But, you know, what does that mean? That could be just uh, even in a small town, that could be uh, your organization. So um, get in touch with them if you would like them to do that. Be sure to tune in next time. Also, like and share the podcast uh, with other people. Um, You can go to CoachSteveClarkPhD.com and uh, share that with your friends. You can get in touch with me uh, personally at Steve at CoachSteveClarkPhD.com. Um, the introduction and music uh, for the show is Let It Rip by Mike and 
Bob Bryan, who they're, uh, they were the, and they're the greatest doubles team of all time. Um, and their narration is by uh, Wayne Bryan, their father and coach for all those years. And you can check out their Bryan Brother Foundation on my website as well. And additionally, I'd like to thank Wilson Tennis, whom I've been in partnership with some 30 years. Uh, you can go to my website and browse numerous blogs and resources. Books on leadership, like, for example, uh, Todd's book, Lead for God's Sakes, on there. Um, you can get that on his website as well. But sports psychology and tennis products, etc., uh, you can also leave, leave a video upload on my front page. Um, uh, it, it, there's a podcast. If, if podcasts, this one or other ones, have uh, influenced you or encouraged you, just leave a video upload there. Uh, that actually, that link has been uh, provided by a former player of mine, Neil Grover, um, who is on one of my podcasts, and uh, his company is Indie.com. So uh, that's a fun little thing to do there. But anyways, I want to leave with a quote, and this is from Todd in a, in a presentation he shared. And just to think about it. Uh, so a lot of times we don't want to have commentary all the time, but just think about this. Thankfulness and stress cannot happen simultaneously. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, let it rip. Let it rip.